Hello, and welcome back to our 10th weekly recap podcast with the Daily Lobo. I'm Editor-in-Chief Kyle Land, and I'm here today with reporters Megan Holman, Shayla Kunico, and Daniel Prokop. On today's podcast, we'll examine a profile of a UNM police officer, Provost Chowki Abdallah's announcement to leave UNM, campus construction, and some LGBT sports history. To start us off today, one of our reporters was able to participate in a ride-along with the University of New Mexico Police Department last week. Anthony Jackson reported, and Danielle has a story. A typical day shift for Officer Patrick Burke starts at 6 a.m., and last week, one of our reporters rode along. 103P, we've got no idea on the patient yet. They're still working. On June 18th at 6.34 a.m., an emergency call crackled over radio dispatch. It reported a near-drowning at Johnson Gym Pool. Less than four minutes after the call, Burke joined two other UNMPD officers on the scene. The pool sat still as lifeguards and doctors in swimwear huddled around the victim, performing life-saving measures. A nearby emergency radio reported that the 77-year-old male was, quote, conscious and coughing, end quote. Less than 20 minutes later, the victim was on a gurney and talking on a cell phone as EMTs rolled him to the ambulance. The first of five calls. Officer Burke has been with UNMPD just over two years. He retired from the Bernalillo County Sheriff's Department after 17 and a half years. A typical day consists of balancing responsibilities. Patrolling UNM's sparse offices and abandoned properties may be interrupted with answering service calls. UNM's properties are scattered over a distance of five miles between Manal Boulevard and Gibson Boulevard. Most are administrative offices, but some are abandoned buildings. The properties are not all UNMPD has to worry about. The North, Main, and South campuses are shared among Burke and the three other officers on duty. UNMPD officers aim to deter vehicle break-ins during their patrols. Some UNM parking lots can contain as few as 100 cars, while others can have more than 400. Burke says that patrolling some of these lots can take all day. I think about four people working. Um, Okay, so at the most we have five, like if we're lucky we have five. <laughs> you know, someone's not in training, someone's not on vacation or stuff like that. Okay, we have to watch this parking lot. Due to the vast area and low number of officers on shift, he said some service calls are prioritized and can result in some parking lots getting, quote, neglected, end quote. Burke said the day crew only consists of a handful of officers. Despite the low numbers, he said the department is self-sufficient because of officer experiences and backgrounds. Former police lieutenants, commanders, and other detectives make up the department. Each person has more than 15 years in law enforcement experience. Burke said the biggest issue the university struggles with is property theft. He says any parking lot can be targeted. To reduce the possibility of vehicle break-ins, he advised people should not leave any valuables in a car. While he patrols UNM properties, Burke wears a bulletproof vest. He says wearing it changes his thinking. I'm responsible for the guys I work with. Uh, I take it very seriously um, when I put on the uniform and I'm going to do my job to my fullest to ensure that not only I go home safe, that my partner goes home safe, that anyone that we're out here to protect if I can influence them going home safely, then I will. If you want to read the full story, just go to dailylobo.com. I sat down with Anthony earlier this week and asked him a couple questions about his story. Here's that interview. 
you get you have another one that comes in that's high on priority. You got to drop everything. When we got that uh, auto auto uh, burglary call, we we pulled over a guy for driving the wrong way down lead. And so the officer was, you know, this guy didn't have a working tail idea, so there were a lot of things that, was going, that were going on. He was preparing to write him a ticket, but then the call comes in, so he has to let him off. It sounds like you were surprised by your experience. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was really, not not getting into, but I didn't know what to expect. Like, I didn't, I didn't have any expectations, mm-hmm. but I guess kind of the lack thereof. You know, I didn't know there was so much for, for them to do. There was so much responsibility for such a small police force. The departure of the provost, Chalky Abdallah, is just one more executive position UDM has to fill. Executive Vice President for Administration, David Harris, and the lead general counsel, Eliza Kircher Cole, are both departing this year. Abdallah's exit was announced earlier today, and Shayla has the story. This week, reporter Isaiah Garcia wrote that Provost Abdallah was a finalist for a position at his alma mater the Georgia Institute of Technology. In a statement this morning, Georgia Tech announced Abdallah's hiring. Abdallah will start as the executive vice president for research. According to the statement, Abdallah will be one of a four-member executive team overseeing Georgia Tech's $824 million research program. He received both his master's and PhD in electrical engineering from Georgia Tech. Abdallah has served as provost at UNM since 2011. He also completed a short term as interim president for 14 months before President Garnett Stokes took office. He started as an assistant professor in 1998. He served for six years as chair of electrical and computer engineering from 2005 until 2011. In the statement for Georgia Tech, Abdallah said, quote, After an academic career of 30 years at the University of New Mexico, I am very excited to be joining one of the premier institutions of higher learning in the world. He went on to say, I look forward to contributing to President Peterson's cabinet to advocate for and lead the research enterprise at Georgia Tech and to help create the next in research, end quote. Abdallah cited some personal reasons for taking the job. His twin sons are starting their college careers at Georgia Tech this fall. His wife has family in the area and they are both alumni from Georgia Tech. Abdallah is set to start in August. We will let you know more as the story develops. This summer, we have a lot of construction going on at UNM. Megan Holman has some news in brief. Conversation has been bubbling about the UNM taproom. The taproom is a venue to sell wine and beer in the student union building. It was approved unanimously by the regents this February. Construction began early June, and the taproom is expected to be open in August for the fall semester. Another construction site to watch out for is Q-Lot, located between Indian School and Lomas, north of main campus. Construction started last Friday and is expected to last another two weeks. The lot is being repaired one section at a time. According to a UNM parking and transportation representative, services will include crack sealing, pothole repairs, and repainting lines. Students will be able to use the lot during construction, but may need to allot extra time to find a spot. Q-Lot's layout is to remain the same. And now, to sports. With the wrap-up of the NCAA outdoor track meet earlier this month, we decided to do something a little different for this episode in Sports News This Week. The month of June is Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender Pride Month. Sports editor Robert Mailer wrote a story describing important milestones and lives of LGBT athletes for the Lobo. 
Michael Sam is just one of the athletes mentioned in the article. If you would like to read more, check out the full story on dailylobo.com. Kyle has the story. The world of sports isn't immune to passing judgment on members of the LGBT community. Many athletes have spoken out about how difficult it was to come out, and some experienced hate from people who do not agree with or understand their identity. The first to attend college in his family, Michael Sam played college football for the Missouri Tigers. Sam was a standout defensive player. He earned Southeastern Conference Defensive Player of the Year honors in 2013. But Sam is often remembered more for his sexual orientation rather than his work on the football field. Sam recorded more than 11 sacks during his senior year and helped lead the Tigers to a 12-2 record. Sam forced the fumble that was returned for a touchdown in Mizzou's 41-31 victory in the Cotton Bowl over Oklahoma State. Despite his excellent senior campaign, Sam was projected to be a mid-to-late candidate for the NFL draft. He was the 8th-to-last pick by the St. Louis Rams in the 7th and final round of the 2014 draft. Some say he was a disadvantage because of his size. He was measured at 6'2 and weighed only 261 pounds. Others argued Sam's late selection was because he was openly gay. In several articles, the former Tiger said that he received support from his teammates when he discussed his sexuality. That was before a video of Sam kissing his boyfriend, Vito Camisano, went viral. The video was taken during a celebration after being drafted, and the public reaction was mixed. Sam's NFL career never got off the ground, as he didn't make the Rams' 53-man roster. He also had a brief stint with the Dallas Cowboys on the team's practice squad, but was later dropped. Sam received the Arthur Ashe Courage Accolade at the Excellence in Sports Yearly Awards in 2014. According to ESPN, the award is given to a member of the sports world who best exhibits courage in the face of adversity. Sam and Camisano ended their relationship in 2015, but still remain friends. Sam lobbied Missouri state legislators in 2016 to vote against a bill that would enable discrimination against LGBTQ people. Thank you, Kyle. Just a reminder, The Daily Lobo is still taking submissions from readers for our summer photo contest. The theme this time is travel photos. You can send in three to four of your best travel pics to photoeditor at dailylobo.com. Again, that's photoeditor at dailylobo.com. The winners will be published in a full-page spread of the Daily Lobo. Remember, the deadline is July 10th, so get them off your Instagram and into our inboxes. That's all for the weekly recap at the Daily Lobo. This is our 10th episode, and I think that's something to celebrate. A special thanks to Cumulus Media, who lets us record in their studios. The hard and often unseen work of many reporters, editors, and staff at the Daily Lobo make this podcast possible. So a special thank you to all of them. Today's podcast was made with the help of Megan Holman, Anthony Jackson, Robert Mailer, Sheila Kuniko, and Daniel Prokop. Also, we won't be back until July 12th. See you in two weeks, and thanks for listening.